I didn't realize how big an impact not having my dad in the home had on me. I was looking for some type of affirmation from men to say like, hey, you're good enough. You got what it takes. I got to be like James Bond or Zach Morris or something. Some guy that has the adventures, gets all the girls, has the cool toys. I think that's what we do as men is we start compensating. We start acting as though we are better in order to feel better. Like as if something on the outside of me is going to be the solution for what I'm not feeling whole on the inside. There's no perfect father. That's the whole thing. But God himself has presented this solution. He says, I will father you. God in his generosity, he filled my life with a, like a community of men that, that taught me things that my dad didn't know how to. You're a man living in the modern world in a time when men and manhood are not what they once were. You live life on your own terms. You're self-sufficient. You think for yourself and you march to the beat of your own drum. When life knocks you down, you get back up because in your gut, you know that's what men do. You're a badass and a warrior. And on the days when you forget, we are here to remind you who you really are. Welcome to the Sovereign Man Podcast, where we aim to make men masculine again. I'm your man, Nikki Ballou. And we've got a very special guest here with you today. Today's guest is a dear friend of mine. He's, he's a client of mine as well. He's in my high-level mastermind for thought leaders, E-Circle. And this is a man who is a devout Christian who runs a very powerful organization for Christian men. And he's got a lot to share on the subject of men, manhood, and masculinity from a Christian perspective. Our guest today is Colt Charlebois. Welcome, Colt. Wow, thanks, Nikki. It's uh, pretty excited to be here. And gosh, couldn't have picked a better topic to talk about today. Absolutely. Colt, we're living in interesting times. Oh, yeah. uh, manhood, uh, manhood, manhood, <laughs> manhood, <laughs> masculinity, and men really are under assault in a way they haven't ever been in history before. The very concept of masculinity is being looked at in a very negative way. People are using phrases like toxic masculinity, um, a more racist and misandrous phrase I've never heard. People are using phrases like patriarchy, second most misandrous uh, and sexist term I've ever heard. Horrible, horrible stuff. And a lot of men today are feeling lost. The negative messages coming at men are even having the strongest, most powerful men um, be affected. And they're all causing men to become softer, to become less uh, manly, if you will, less masculine. And this is having a negative impact in our society for a ton of reasons. And there's a lot of Christian thinkers on the subject of men and masculinity, in particular, John Eldridge is one that, uh, whose work I follow. But I happen to know you, you're working in this space. You've got a lot of Christian men that are part of an organization you lead. So I thought it'd be valuable for you to come and share some of your insights. How can we today help men elevate themselves? Because to me, it's glorious to be a man. And I want every man to, to mm. be proud of being a man and to, to step into his God-given role in society and make good things happen. Mm. Yeah, this whole concept of the masculine journey um, is something that fascinates me. And it came as a result of just becoming a student of it. 
right? Going back a little ways, uh, for me growing up, parents you know, separated at a young age. I didn't realize how big an impact not having my dad in the home had on me. So I just longed for weekends with dad. Like I remember, you know, being a kid doing tricks on my, my bike, just wondering, I wonder what my dad's facial expression will be uh, if he sees that, like how he'd react. And I would, I'd picture myself receiving the excitement of seeing his facial reactions, you know? And so you look at that and you think that's funny for a little kid to do, but you realize like, wow, how painful is that, that a child has to do that because dad is just not present. And so as a result of that, I was looking for some type of affirmation from men to say like, hey, you're good enough. You got what it takes. Uh, but because it wasn't from dad, or at least not often enough, I went looking for it from every other man, right? And so it went into my, my friendships in high school where I just thought, hey, I got I to gotta be like James Bond or Zach Morris or something. Some guy that has the adventures, gets all the girls, has the cool toys. and with that said, I'm start pursuing this thing for all the wrong reasons. I thought if I could become a millionaire, Nikki, then great. I would get everything I needed in life. And I think that's what we do as men is that deep down for various reasons, most of which in the work that I do, it seems that most of which have come from a childhood wound of some sort. We start compensating. We start acting as though uh, we are better in order to feel better. Like, as if something on the outside of me is going to be the solution for what I'm not feeling whole on the inside. And it's, it's definitely plaguing masculinity today. There's a lot of men who've gone through similar issues. And it's interesting that you say that it's a, a, a lack of father energy. So a lot of men grow up without fathers in the home or even the fathers that they have in the home don't fulfill the traditional role of, of a father very, very well. I had a guest on the show, Greg Medford. Greg uh, read a line from a poem to me. And the line went something like this, run young man from mm. the soft hand of your mother to the stern hand of your father. And why is that? Because that stern hand develops you, strengthens you, makes you a man. For men, this is necessary. Iron sharpens iron. That's from the Bible. Yeah. And, you know, you, you aren't going to be sharpened with soft energy. And we have, a, we have uh, a situation in our world at this time where it's all about softness and safety. And that's not, that's not what men need. They need a little bit of challenge and danger and risk. You know, so that they can become stronger, they can become tougher, and they can go out there and be successful in the world at leading their families, you know, at raising great children. And there isn't that fathering energy. And one reason why, you know, movements like ours, the sovereign man movement, exists is because we provide that high accountability, fathering energy inside our group. So mm. a man doesn't just need that when he's a boy, you know, in his tens and his teens. He needs that in his 20s, in his 30s, in his 40s, in his 50s, in his 60s, in his 70s, in his 80s, in his 90s. If he doesn't have fathering energy, he's going to become soft. He's going to make mistakes. He's going to screw up. And our society is going to be in a mess like it is today. Mm. And let's go back. I mean, it's certainly a, an interesting time in our society because masculinity as a word is almost vulgar, right? It's like it's bordering Some on vulgar it now to, to promote 
masculinity is it's like a threat to society. And to be honest, I get it. I like, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, if you look back at history, men have misused their masculinity out of their own insecurities. They've suppressed the opposite sex. They've suppressed themselves. They've, they've done all kinds of things in order to promote themselves, make themselves feel better, accomplish what they, they desired. Um, they've, they've crushed their fellow man and, and, and women are standing up against it as a, as a whole. And it makes, so it makes sense, Nikki, but the solution. I, I agree with that, Colt. I don't know if I agree with that at all, quite frankly. Like, oh, don't, <laughs> I actually don't agree with it at all. <laughs> well, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this then, because sure. this is this is my summary as why it's gotten to here, right? Yeah. I don't think this is what happened. I'll tell okay. you what happened. Go what happened it. was that communism happened in 1917. Vladimir Lenin and his communist cohorts took over uh, Russia and turned it into a communist nation. And their plan was to have one world communist revolution. And they realized that what was standing in their way was who they called the main adversary, and that's the United States. And they said, okay, the United States is our main adversary. We need to defeat them, and we can't defeat them frontally because they're too strong. So let's defeat them where they can't come against us. Let's infiltrate their society. Their very openness is what we'll use against them. And they sent in some folks, and one fellow named William Munzenberg in particular, Mr. Munzenberg, was a German communist. And he was told, go infiltrate um, schools, go infiltrate uh, storytelling, Hollywood, and go infiltrate mm -hmm. news media and find a way to destabilize the nation from within. And you need to get them away from being patriotic. You need to get them away from believing in the family. And what can you do? you got to turn men and women against each other. So um, I'm not saying everything was fair yeah. to women in the past, but it wasn't always fair to men either. You know, and this is something that you got to understand, like, uh, uh, yeah, women stayed at home and maybe weren't able to explore all the opportunities. But the flip side of it is men had to go out there and work whether they wanted to or not, <laughs> you mm. know, and uh, throughout history. Um, men were the ones and have been the ones to take all the risk. Mm. You know, they, they went to war. Ninety nine percent of combat deaths are men. Ninety eight percent of uh, job related deaths, uh, accidents at work are men. Uh, 90% of people being incarcerated are men and nobody wants to talk about that. They just want to say, Oh no, no, men were bad to women. Well, you know, it's a little bit more nuanced than that as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and, and I think that this turning of men and women against each other and giving mm -hmm. women the, 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 the narrative that, Oh yeah, men have always put you down is something that's had massive repercussions in our society. Today, a lot of women are out there working. And listen, it's great if you want to work. You know, my lady works. I think it's a fantastic thing. But a lot of people, a lot of women have gone into the workforce and they're working usually for a man, not always, but usually for a man. A man who doesn't care about them, who pushes them and will discard them at the first sign if, if economic conditions are bad or, or, or other things happen. Mm. And at home, there's a man around, but that man's their husband and husband loves her and, and wouldn't do something like that to her. So not to say that women shouldn't work, not at all. You want to work, you should work. Society should give you all the options. You should have the right to vote. You should have the ability to work. All I'm saying is, from my perspective, I, I, I just don't buy it that, you know, men have been the bad guys throughout history. I don't <laughs> buy that at all. Sorry, no can do. Yeah, well, men have hey, done listen, things that I, women have, haven't appreciated, but 
you know, no offense, but the opposite's been true. When women have done things that have been not so great for men too. So we can call that a wash and let's get past that and move forward. Listen, Nikki, you've done a tremendous amount of research in this area, so uh, I'm, I'm here to learn as much as to share. But, sure. uh, and the, the reason I say what I say is just from a posture of ownership, right? Because by saying, you know, by getting into some of the details, perhaps we could easily as men just start to rise up and beat our chests and say, look at me, look at me, you know, I deserve not to be seen this way. And I believe like that's what's happening in society, no matter what gender, no matter what race, no matter it's the solution is not that we, there's more awareness around us as individuals, but more so around how we treat one another, how we defend one another. So I think there's one thing we'd agree on is what's lacking here is this masculine energy, right? This, to me, I call it the, the masculine initiation. I didn't come up with that term, by the way. I haven't read it from someone, I'm sure. But this process of helping men become men. The real issue, Nikki, is, is fathering. I mean, if you look at, you mentioned incarcerations, yeah. 80% of them were fatherless. I mean, that is, that's a staggering number, right? So why is that? Well, you know, a man with his, maybe his physical strength goes into the world, tries to figure it out. No one has actually led him along the path of what it means to be honoring, what it means to have respect, truth, how to build trust, how that's real, the currency of relationships. And if we as men are focused intentionally on helping men call it being initiated. I guess that has a weird context in our culture today, but the idea is walking them through these different passages. Um, The Bible would say discipling one another, right? That's what I love about the Bible. I mean, the funny acronym, some people don't uh, like it. Some people love it, but basic instructions before leaving earth. So if we were to just read this before leaving earth, nice. If we were to just read this, this book that was divinely, breathed into humanity, uh, God's word, and understand the way it talks about serving one another, understand the values it says to stand on, Uh, understand it's that he is our strength, not we are our strength, and you need to treat me a certain way, I need to treat you a certain way. It's like, what have you said about this, God? I mean, a lot of people dismiss it as some archaic uh, piece of, you know, some fact from history or something like that. But this is truly like you spend time in this place reading scripture. There's some profound wisdom that is way above my pay grade. Um, Look, what you're saying about the lack of fathers in society is a massive issue. And we as men need to take responsibility and ownership for that. There's far too many men who've bought into this lie that men aren't needed. Men are toxic. Men are bad. Oh, I'm disposable. That's not true. You're not disposable. You're needed. You need to be around there to raise your children. You got to bring that powerful father energy to the space. And if you're not doing that, that's a problem. That's a massive problem. So, you know, uh, what we got to do is we got to bring a, a awareness to people. It's a big part of what this podcast is about. That, you know, as a father, you need to father your kids. But as a man, mm-hmm. you need to be fathered. Groups like mine exist for that reason. Yeah. You know, uh, I don't know. You know, I, I haven't spent a ton of time in your group. I've come to a couple meetings. But 
are you calling out men? Are you pushing them to be better? Are you not letting them, you know, excuse my language here, brother, but buy their own bullshit? Because a man will buy his own bullshit if you let him. He'll buy a narrative that he'll try to sell you about why things are the way they are. That's not the truth. <laughs> it's just not the truth. Well, yeah. you know, I really don't have time to do that. I'm just so busy. Well, that's a load of horse manure. You're not too busy. You're not too busy. No one's too busy. That's just something people say when they don't want to do something and they haven't got the guts to be honest with themselves about it. Never mind you. Mm. Right. Or, or, oh, you know, um, yeah, I, 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 I'm just not ready. Ready for what? You're not ready to be married. You're not ready to be faithful to your wife. I, I mean, what, what is it that people are saying that all that uh, about these things, the groups we're in, like if a man bullshits us, we immediately call him on it and we don't let him get away with it. And if he doesn't keep his word, he's immediately called on that. In fact, he's called on that and he's consequenced on it. So if a man's late for a meeting, that man's got to do push-ups, a cold shower, you know, something we call an electric dying cockroach where he gets on the floor and he goes like this, like he's an electric fine cockroach and all that sort of thing gets that man to understand that he's, he's having fathered energy come to him. He's being fathered. He's not just being, uh, how can I put it, treated like a 21st century soy boy. Mm. This may be interesting to you. Our, our groups uh, probably have a bit different flavor to them. One of the greatest opportunities I feel that we have on this earth is that unanimously, we've all had wounds that were delivered by our parents. And, you know, if we dig into the <laughs> we visit shrinks and psychologists, I mean, we could spend a year trying to unpack them and figure out the effect they've done on us. Yet, even the best of fathers inevitably, you know, don't give love to their children in a certain way at a certain time. And, you know, so there's no perfect father. That's the whole thing. But God himself has presented this solution. He says, I will father you. I will father you in the way that your dad didn't know how to. And so when we go back to my story, Nikki. Here I am, insecure guy, looking for approval, looking for people acceptance, looking for affirmation through men, through women, doing all kinds of things to get their attention, but never really feeling whole. It was only when I turned to God and started asking for him to father me. And I learned this from the man you mentioned, John Eldridge, in his book, that he started introducing me, not to just men that would hold me accountable to be a man, because I felt like a bit of a shell of a man. There wasn't much to build on there. There wasn't much foundation you could put any weight on before I collapsed in my insecurity and uh, emotional outbursts, drinking. It was all part of it. But God introduced me to these men, one by one, who came in and they fathered me in ways that my dad didn't know how to. And it's like my prayer, I would have been just totally okay with one man coming in and teaching me a few things. But God in his generosity, he filled my life with a, like a community of men that, that taught me things that my dad didn't know how to. And, and as we go to God, the father, looking for the solution, it's not about us necessarily getting harder. 
It's about us getting wiser through his principles. It's us not responding to the emotional triggers that set us off anymore. You know, culture will say things like we need to be more stoic and show less emotion. It's like, you know, build up this resilience inside of you. Well, that's not a man. I mean, a man has has expressions. He has passions. You can't, if you stuff the, uh, the, the anger, you stuff the passion too. So it's about becoming a little bit more in control of it, understanding it, not from a physical strength posture, but from a, a healing posture where you're inviting God into all of these places, these past hurts, these unforgiven moments, and he is one by one healing them until you become whole again. That's something that I don't believe we have the strength to do on our own. Well, you know, I understand where you're coming from. And I say this, that God intends for us to live a strong, hard, masculine man. John Eldridge in his books is no shrink and violent. He's not calling for men to be soft and, and gentle and easy with each other. If anything, he's calling for the opposite. He's mm. calling for men to be hard and strong and to challenge each other and to challenge themselves. Uh, and I think the problem in the world isn't that there's too many hurt little boys. No offense. The problem in the world is that too many of these strong, strong ass men are acting like hurt little boys and they need to toughen up. They need to get out there and start, you know, providing for their families rather than complaining. They need to start presiding and leading their families. They need to protect their families. Look at Europe right now. Ukraine got invaded by Russia, right? Yeah. Two million Ukrainian men who were not in Ukraine went back to their country to fight. Can you imagine that happening in Canada? Because I can't. No, I can't. And I hope that we don't come to that in this lifetime. But, but um, it, it, Listen, you can hope all you want. Hope's not a strategy, right? What <laughs> if it does happen? What if it does happen? Here's, here's the issue with hardness, though, as a solution. I know, and you know, some incredibly hard men that are mentally weak. They're emotionally weak. No, 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 no. You don't understand what we mean by hardness. If that's okay, what you're so maybe saying. we should define. A no, man no, will brother. rise and fall on his definition. So, so no, let's maybe a define. Hard, a man who's hard is a mental beast. <laughs> is a mental beast. He's like David Goggins. You know who David Goggins is? Absolutely. Yeah. It's David Goggins. That's what I'm talking about. We look to make men not just physically strong, but we want to have them have. The, 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 the mentality of a Navy SEAL and the compassion of Jesus Christ. You know, uh, we have this concept we call ruthless compassion, where we care very deeply about our fellow men, but we're absolutely ruthless with them. We don't put up with this crap. Mm. And the problem is today, oh, it's okay. You're so brave. You're so brave. You did so well. We don't need to hear that. That, that, that's something for young young girls to hear. They need that. You you praise women into being their best self. You challenge men into being their best self. You can't let a man get away with with sitting down and and saying, "Oh my God, I can't handle this. I'm so weak. I'm a shell." Oh come so on, get over yourself. Here's the thing, Nikki. We have millions of men across North America and probably worldwide right now. Uh, guys that I would say of all ages, but I'm going to specifically target those that are between the ages of 20 and probably 26, 27 years old right now. Yeah, they're in the biggest trouble. They hear a man. message like you're saying, and they immediately check out because they have no reference point. They've never had a model that they you know aspire to that is See, describing again, I, what you're describing. Again, I don't agree. I think that and in so, every well, man, there is that masculine essence 
He doesn't need to hear about it or have a reference point. You'll just respond to that bothering energy. But if it sounds macho and beat my chest, they check out because I've had yeah, the conversation. You do with that, Cole. You check out. You don't like macho. <laughs> don't put that on other people. And that's because that's because I'm the only you one. You, well, you may not be the only one, but you do that. Don't put that on, on all other men. Mm. I, I got a lot of men uh, under the age of 26 that are in our program. And when I push them and I challenge them, I mean, their, their raw, aggressive, masculine side comes out and they love it. They love it that they're being called out. They love it. They go, wow, that was great. I'm being pushed to be better, stronger than what I am before. And I don't know what you're talking about. Beat your chest. I ain't beating my chest, brother. Those guys that beat their chest are in gangs. They're shooting people. I'm just telling you, we're not going to put up with a man acting like a soy boy. We don't need soy boys today. We got enough of those people out there. We need a man who's not going to put up with other men's crap. He's not going to put up with his own crap. The problem is too many men buy their own crap today, Colt. Way too many men. Oh, I, I, I need to be healed. I need to be taken care of. I don't think that's what men need today. Now, I'm not going to say that for every man, there's some men who definitely need that. If you've been in an abusive situation and someone's done a number on you and, and, and you know, you, you need to go and get professional help for that. You absolutely should do that. If, if you've gone through a tough life and you haven't had family members around you and you find God and, and, and you pray to God and go to church, I think that's awesome and amazing. But when you're a group of, with a group of men, I don't think the job of that group of men is to coddle you in any way, shape or form. Quite the so opposite. The solu- I, I don't know that I'm fully understanding the picture of your group because what I'm hearing is the group is for challenging one another exclusively. Is there anything more than just the challenge when Uh, someone looks like that? Why would you even say that, Colt? Come on. In the context of this conversation, I just, I don't see where the guy fits. Hey, listen. First of all, he's not a guy. He's a man. He's a man. There's a difference (laughs) between guy and man. There's a whole different energy, right? A guy is this soft, mushy person who doesn't, who doesn't go out there. I mean, it's cool to say that among your friends, but inside the context of this conversation, we're talking about Mm. men. A man is somebody who's out there who's going to take care of his family. This is a caricature, what you're saying about someone who beats his chest and shoots guns or whatever. No, that's not what we do here. But what we do here, when a man is coming into, into our group and he's initiated, as an example, if he's late, he's going to be called out. We're not going to step over that. Hey, you were late. Oh, I, I, I was here at 7.30. No, 7.30, once the clock hits 7.30, you're late. Anyone who comes after it does that is late. And so you're late. And so many men come in and try to argue with that. No, 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 I wasn't really late. I got here at 7.30 or I was only a minute late or five minutes late. Yeah, yeah. I don't care. Yeah. You're late. You're late. You dishonored every man in this room by being late. Now we have to deal with you and the fact that you're dishonoring these men. How are you going to fix it? That's what I'm talking about, a challenging conversation. And Mm. we don't step over anything, anything. No, if a man comes to us and says, I'm I'm stepping out on my wife and, you know, I'm thinking of leaving my family. Well, we're not going to say we think that's a great idea. You should do that. Or, hey, whatever you want to do. We're going to say, what's wrong Mm. with you? Why are you doing that? Why would you do that? Why would you step out on your family? Why would you step out on your wife? That's the level of conversation we're going to have with that man. You know, it's not we're looking for for, things that it's not we're looking. Hey, we're coming in here. Let me find a way to hammer Colt today. He he hasn't been hammered for a couple of weeks, so let's (laughs) give it to him. That's not what we do. Listen, but if you come in the room and you're you've done something like I mean, these are examples. Okay, I'm not saying men do that or any man's done that in our organization. But but if he's not behaving 
like a man of honor in our world should be behaving, he's going to get called out instantly. And by me and probably 10 other men in the room, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And Listen, that's the way a, it should be. As a, as a Christian godly man, I, I it's very important to me that I, I, I'm very whole on how I represent Christ. I want to represent him well, fundamentally. So when you're, what you're talking about is, is standing by your character, you know, having, having a, a good representable character, right? And, and this is an environment where people are, you're calling each other out on their characters so that they have clarity on what is a good character, what isn't. My question to you is, what happens to the guy who doesn't respond well? Who like because there's there's got to be some. I've met some in my world that you know we sure. challenge they they don't. So what happens to them? Who who fathers them? Who initiates them? Where where do they go? One of the other men will speak to him differently than what I'd speak to him and see if he can reach him. But if that man does not respond at all to being confronted, that's not going to work well for him. It's not a group for him because right. he's got to be willing to be confronted. Yes. Yeah. And, absolutely. And it's that simple. It's that simple. We're not here to coddle men. That's why, you know, when I've been around you sometimes with folks, I go, don't call me. I don't want to be called. I don't want to be told how everything's great or that's not so bad. I don't need to hear that. I don't yeah. need to hear that. I need to, I need, I need to know from a man that he gives enough, enough of a good gosh darn about me that he's going to say it to me straight. And mm. um, he's going to say, Hey, you're screwing up here, man. What are you going to do about it? I and that's, like, that's and I don't tell the man what to do. I ask him, what is he going to do about it? Because he's got to come up with the answer. If I force feed him the answer, that's that's not bothering the man. <laughs> that's emotionally crippling him to not be able to make good decisions for himself. Yeah. Well, you've been to one of our groups, Nikki. You know that our motto is transparency. As men, we tend to fall into this place of the fake it till you make it adage. Like, I hate this i hate this adage yeah. our society as men live by um this idea of like we all just become these like professional posers as eldridge would say uh we put on these masks these are ornate masks the only issue is the better we get at posing the further we get from actual real human intimacy with another female or with another man uh, but having a good real friendship yeah don't don't, don't <laughs> misunderstand that last comment today's world but the idea here is uh when a man has a safe place to be authentic with men, to tell him what's really going on, that can take weeks for a guy. We've had guys in our group where it takes years uh, before they feel safe enough to really say, this is what's really going on in my life, guys. Um, so we're there to pray with them in that circumstance, walk with them. The biggest thing is letting them know, like, we're not going anywhere. I'm your brother in this, man. I'm going to walk with you through this storm. It's the... Uh, there are moments where we, of course, challenge one another, but more importantly, it's not, I don't want this to sound like a, a group therapy sharing session because it's not. It, we don't come trying to fix each other's problems in our group. That's a big distinguisher. We're here to, to listen and pray with one another and walk alongside of versus, uh, because guys, we, we're good at pointing things out and wanting to fix things. <laughs> Look, um, you know, in, in our in our world, if a man doesn't speak for a few meetings, we're going to go at him and go, why are you quiet? I like that. <laughs> why are you quiet? Speak up. What's going on in your life? And it's one of the things that we, we do is we tell a man um, what's not working in your life. So every man needs to reveal something that's not working in his life. And mm, if, he's, good. if he refuses to do that, um, there's a problem. There's a real problem because... It won't just be me who will say that to him. It'll be all the other men. 
right? Because they, they've all, they'll have all have revealed something and they're going to go, what do you mean? I said it, you better say it, right? So, so the man's put on the spot and rightfully so, because mm. that's the way he's going to be fathered. That's what I mean by father energy. Mm. You know, Absolutely. the father energy is, yeah, father will protect you, but a father is going to also tell you, hey, this is the way to be and this is the way not to be. And it's a very different energy than mothering That's energy. It's really, really neat. It's like we're representing. Oh, I think we cut away. It's neat because it sounds like we're, we're almost representing different aspects of the father's energy. Like ours is probably a little more weighted on the side of uh, we're with you and we're present to you. You know, and you've you've outlined a couple examples of of different father energy. But this is what we need: is that men need to be fathered. Uh, ultimately, we need to they become do. better fathers. And and uh, God, it's terrible what's happening in the Ukraine. And that there is a time that men need to physically rise up and and have the courage to step into these crazy scenarios that might come in our lives. But the reality is that, that the hardest battles we often fight are the emotional ones in our family. It's when our you know a colleague is accusing us of something that is not true, or uh, our spouse just is unreasonable, um, and it's. For us to recognize this isn't about what she's saying, it's about what she's going through. How do I walk with her in this without causing conflict and needing to defend myself all the time? So my whole point is that we we walk with insecurities that need to be healed with God. And as we do so, we become more whole, less emotionally triggered, and more stable overall. So that's a big part of our mission is to, to see men walk whole, walk in healing. Well, listen... Uh... In a, in a Christian group, I, I can totally see that bringing a man to God and having him speak uh, his truth, well, I shouldn't say his truth, having him speak his experience to mm. the, the men that are part of that and, and, and work toward bringing God into his life more, I can totally see that that's the way to go forward. Um, and don't get me wrong, in our world, we're for a man. We absolutely are for a man. We want him mm -hmm. to win. Oh, I believe that. The men that are in our community win but they win because we've toughened them up. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> they don't win because they've been you know, held and, and had their, their hair stroked and told how brave they are. We don't do that. Let's be honest, Nikki, if I'm in conflict, uh, you know, if my city's under siege, you're the first guy I'm calling for, uh, <laughs> for a bayonet or something. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's, it's not just about me, but there was a time where men were like this. This was the energy of man, even a, even a, even a man who was, you, you know, a, uh, a, a dandy was expected to be able to go out and take care of himself with his fists or, or to go out to, and, and fight a war. And today, God, I, I, I am truly frightened for the future of the West right now because men aren't being brought up as men. They haven't been fathered and they're not fathering each other and they're not being fathered by others. You know, it's, it's a scary thing. Well, one of the ways that we really need fathering in is, is how to care for our families. Uh, ultimately, there's this just resonating belief in all men that we got to be providers, which is absolutely true in some respects. But uh, I like to ask the question, whether I'm doing this in a business context or a friendship, um, you know, someone would state their goals that they're pursuing in life. And I say, why is that important to you? And they say, well, I need to provide for my family. Some somewhere deep down in the questioning, they're going to get to this place where they say, I got to provide for my family. I say, okay, so let's say 
you are able to give them everything they ever need or want in life financially, but it means that you're never 100, you're never present to them. Will you have provided for them? And they say, well, no, absolutely not. They're going to need my time and uh, my love and my attention, of course. And I say, okay, great. So what if the opposite were true? What if you could provide nothing for them financially and you guys just got by starvation, but you were always present to them. You always love them well. You always encourage them well. And they knew that you had their back. How would your kids turn out then? And there's always this look, Nikki, like this, this dumbfounded expression to say, well, well I, I guess they'd probably turn out okay. <laughs> I says, if they lived, because if you're not feeding them. Yes, of course. You know, so I, 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 mean, I, mean, I think you got to do both. It's not an either or situation. No. And the point is just to, to show which one is the weighted priority here. Um, so, and show which, hey, like that you want to mil- build this $10 million business. I think that's wonderful as long as it's not to the exclusion of what's important. So let's look at your calendar. Uh, where is your date night with your wife? Where is your one on one time? with each of your children so that they're known by you because i actually you know bringing up eldridge again i love his words around this it's like um that is true what do you do when you have teenage kids and they don't want to be with you anymore man (laughs) hey man you'll have to walk me through that one because uh i got a few seasons i'm busy thanks dad bye give me money go oh my gosh you know i'll tell you all i can say is from my own experience is uh my dad and my stepfather uh they just common interest that came alongside my interests and met me in, in that space. And those were some of my fondest memories. And uh, one of them was my stepdad cr- building a potato gun. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen one of these, but a uh, picture about six feet of ABS pipe, uh, a barbecue lighter and some hairspray, and you stick a potato on the end of that and you'd be surprised oh how far that thing could go. <laughs> so, but just awesome. like the heart of the man, right? Like just having some fun, having some adventure uh, is, is part of the way to connect with men at all ages. So for us, when we get together, for our men's events, it's got to have adventure. It's got to have some type of excursion that is a little outside of all of our comfort zones. And uh, but we we bond in those spaces and just and relate more than anything. A man, in my opinion, oh, this is the words of Eldridge as we're using him as the uh, the avatar here today. Ultimately, just wants to be fully known and fully accepted. Well said. If a, if a man Very truly well knows me and truly accept me, I'll feel like I belong. And that's, that's the core of humanity right there is like, do I belong? Um, if I know that, man, my confidence goes through the roof. So that's good. Jesus, yeah. Well said. Yeah. So G- Jesus came to bridge that gap of our belonging. And uh, for me, the more I understand that, the more whole I become and the better man I become to my, my brothers and uh, my family, even to my, my father, my stepfather, the, the more we challenge each other just in the nature of our character. Sometimes it's in our words, but oftentimes it's the way we act in a situation and are not looking for praise or not looking for evaluation. They expect us to act differently and we sometimes don't say a word or sometimes we pick up a piece of garbage when 10 people have walked by. There's a, a million different ways we can show and build our character and represent and challenge each other well is what we're getting at. Yeah, I, I like it, Colt. I like what you're saying here. It's good stuff. Uh, a, a man needs acceptance. Love to a man is acceptance, whether uh, whether it's from a woman or from his brothers. Acceptance is what a man's looking for. Mm-hmm. And and a big part of acceptance is being known. You can't mm-hmm. be accepted if you're not known. So yeah, that's good. And if you fake it, good. you can't be known. Yeah, fake it till you make it isn't a bad thing when you're doing sales calls. I don't think it works in like, life. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, that's just it, right? If, if we're faking it, we've created this ornate mask that uh, an amazing book for this is The Cure. If your listeners are readers, uh, this book, The Cure, I don't even think you can get it on audiobook, um, just talks about this, this being known, uh, taking off our mask. Essentially, the more elaborate the mask, the more we get affixed to it and the less people will know us. So. Yeah, that's good stuff, man. Good stuff. Cool. Dang, man. That's powerful stuff. Well done. Well done. Well done. <laughs> Hard won lessons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad that we had a spirited discussion here on the show. It's Isn't that good. what iron is? Iron sharpening iron? iron yeah, is that we can get into a discussion. space where yeah. we're not weak reeds. We're not going to get mowed down anytime soon. It's like, let's get into this a little bit. Let's yeah, understand let's your perspective, it. understand mine, and maybe become a little more whole as a result of both. Amen. Amen. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very glad that we had this discussion. Uh, I got to tell you today, Colt, um, I'd ordered a, a knife from Ernest Emerson and yeah. Ernest Emerson's been on the show and he's also been, uh, at some of our e-circle events, uh, speaking you introduced me to, to yeah. him. absolutely amazing, man. Amazing, man. And, oh. and so Ernest, uh, makes this knife right here, which is called the Emerson folding steak knife. It's a folding steak knife. Nice. And look at this knife. It's look at how beautiful it is. Now, Canada customs held it because, you know, knives are something sure. they're holding on to <laughs> for like two, two months before they released it, but it's got a beautiful rich light handle and it's got a deep carry pocket clip and look at this knife. I mean, this I like cuts green. a it's steak. Beautiful. Yeah. It's, it's gorgeous, man. It cuts a steak like nobody's business. I'm very excited to own this steak knife and um, I'm actually going to be taking it with me uh, camping uh, and I'm going to cut meat with it. I'm going to, I'm going to even use it at home just for the heck of it, but I'm definitely <laughs> going to take it to restaurants and I'm going to use this to cut meat because most of the knives in restaurants, they're terrible knives. They're just not, they're not, they're not high quality knives. Even at the high end restaurants, they look nice, but they're not high quality knives. This is high quality knife. This is a beautiful knife. I'm excited about taking this with me. And using good. It. You know, you remind me of uh, just, just the, the core man Lo loves toys, loves, loves tools. Uh, I got into scuba diving when I was younger. And the first thing I bought before the mask, before the fins, I was like, I got to get a nice strap on my leg. You know, I will never use it, but <laughs> just to have this thing on my leg is I, I probably again, go back to the James Bond piece there, but uh, uh, some, something about having a cool knife, man. There's something about having a cool knife, brother. There's something about having a cool knife. There's nothing like it. No question about it. I'm actually, I tell you, man, having a cool knife is a great thing. There are a few, I got into knife collecting in uh, 2017. I watched a, um, I was taking Donald Miller's course online story yeah, brand. And absolutely. He, he talked about how he started buying an, one knife he saw an ad by Gerber, Gerber knives. And I knew Gerber as a baby food company. I didn't realize those are Gerber knives. And he mm. played the ad. I watched it. And as soon as I watched it, I was hooked. I said, mm. I got to get me a knife. I haven't had a knife since I was a kid. And so I went uh, to Bass Pro Shops and I said, I want, I want to buy a knife. And they said, okay, yeah. what knife do you want? I said, I like a Gerber knife. They go, you want my Gerber knife. I go, why not? They says, look, it's an okay knife, but you know, you want to buy a really good knife. I go, oh, okay. What's a better knife than Gerber? And they showed me a few and there was one made by Benchmade that had a, uh, what's called a diamond wood handle. And it was a hunting knife. And they said, this knife, you, 
you want to get. And I saw it and I go, <laughs> you're right. I like this. I bought that knife. And since then, I've been on a knife collecting tear and I own over a hundred knives right now. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's a beautiful thing to me. It's one of those great habits. Every man should own a knife. In my opinion, every woman should own a knife, quite frankly, but every man should own a knife for sure. It's man's <laughs> oldest tool and it's just a fun thing. It's a manly thing to collect. So collecting knives and collecting knives by people like Ernest Emerson and his yeah. you know, folding steak knife. I don't know if you can see in here. I would like to actually get one of those, Nikki. We have these men's weekends that we write, uh, we run, and one of the gifts we give away is, is a nice knife. Uh, so, use our prize for arriving on time or being the youngest guy in the room or something like that. But uh, <laughs> it's it's always it's always good fun. Well, you know, we can talk. We can talk about what would be a good knife for you to buy and give away. But uh, speaking of Donald Miller, actually, this you you wouldn't want to give this away, Colt. If you had this, if you had this knife, you're not giving it away, brother. It's it's too <laughs> useful a knife for you to give away. There are other knives which are good, nice knives that you know you'd be okay giving it away. But this one, you're like, I'm keeping this in my collection. <laughs> You know, speaking of Donald Miller, uh, this guy is story brand, one of the most amazing kind of marketing concepts, but you ever it read is. this book, Blue Leg Jazz? I have um, it and I have not is... yet read it. I bought it a few years ago. Yeah. He's a Christian is... as well. Yeah. Uh, um, interesting but... guy. Interesting guy. Very bright. And he was quite, quite the memoirist before he got into marketing. Well, this, right? this is his first book. And, yeah. uh, he has this way of writing that is so unique, Nikki. It's a conscious stream of thought, I think they call it, where you just like get inside and understand, like, just as a man, we talk about, hey, we all have these insecurities, the way he articulates them, and then navigates his journey through Christianity. Blue Like Jazz is a, is a really, it's an eye-opening book to understand, you know. Uh, yeah, he's a fascinating man. I really enjoy his work. Uh, I got to say, I was kind of shocked. When, he's a Republican. He worked for Mitt Romney. In the last election, he supported Joe Biden. And I was kind of shocked. I didn't understand how a man who's a devout Christian and uh, mm -hmm. presumably supports things like life and so forth would, would support a far-left anti-religious uh, bigot as president. But hey, uh, other than that, I, I, I like Donald Miller. I like that he introduced me to knives. I like his core story, man. So <laughs> I'm, I've gotten a ton of good things out of it. It's oh, great, man. Yeah, it's good stuff. So Colt, um, this has been a fun conversation. It's been fun that we've had some moments of sharp disagreement and, and, and clashed and, and iron has sharpened iron in this conversation. And for men listening to this, that's what a good conversation looks like. And it's been fun mm. that we've talked about Donald Miller knives ernest emerson the folding steak knife and donald miller's book blue like jazz i think all of this has been great you know just an encouragement for your listeners to nikki um as men we tend to shy away from things like this like if if you don't agree with me then it, it you know i need to defend myself and um I, I love getting into dialogue with this but i would say it wasn't always the case for me and so just some encouragement to the guys out there that like Get into something, get around perspectives, get around people that like Biden, if that's your, if that's a frustration for you, but have some dialogue. I, I, I with don't people. care. I don't care if a man likes well, Biden. I'll still be his friend. I'm just surprised at this fellow. Well, this is it. It's, I, like, it's it get into disagreement. I think it's shocking. so valuable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Disagreeing sure. well is a skill set that we need to hone as men, um, where we can understand and appreciate each other's perspectives, but not condemn, attack, uh, cut yeah. each other down. Well, you see, that's that's 
we're going to wrap up with this, but that's what social media has done before social yeah. media, people could disagree and it wouldn't be the end of the world, but social media creates echo chambers to get people hooked. And then they put the other out there in order to get you out up. Mm-hmm. And that has people have very little tolerance for different points of view. I, I have a lot of tolerance for different points of view. What I have zero tolerance for, I have zero tolerance for somebody who wants to shut others point of view down. So people who want to do that, I have zero tolerance for, yeah. but I have a ton of tolerance for, for a different point of view. I think it's cool to listen to it. Listen, I can learn something. You know, I'm not going to change my mind. Right. But it's still a beautiful thing to be able to hear somebody out to respect their, um, their point of view. Uh, you know, at our event this weekend, we, we, we had a man there. I'm not going to mention names. We had a man there who uh, was uh, African Canadian black, and he brought a perspective to me mm-hmm. about the, the black experience. And honestly, as a middle Eastern guy, I, I, I couldn't even, I, I could hear those words before I spoke to him and I, I wouldn't get it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. But listening to this man's perspective and really being curious and hearing him was tremendous for me. Yeah. Tremendous. I, I got so much out of hanging out with this guy, uh, you know, and, and listening to him talk because he's wise, he's strong, he's a, a capable, he's accomplished. And he brings a perspective that I don't, I, I never had before this. That's right. And I want to have more people in my life, but I don't want to have people in my life that are intolerant bigots that want to shut anybody down. They don't agree with. I have no time for that, but I have plenty of time for a real honest to goodness difference of opinion. And I have plenty of time for a back and forth. I don't agree with you. I don't agree with you because that's how my own ideas get sharper and stronger. And that's how your ideas get sharper. and stronger. So it was good. We need to be discipled. Yeah, yeah. Discipled culturally as well. Right. Yeah. I think that men listening to this are going to learn from this conversation, your perspective and my perspective, but what they're really going to learn is they're going to go, oh, these two dudes sharply disagreed about a few things and they're still buds. That's a cool yeah. thing for them to understand and learn. Absolutely, and, and, man. Yeah. I agree. I love you, Nikki Baloo. Yeah, man. I love you too, brother. <laughs> All right. So that wraps up this episode of the Sovereign Man Podcast. Cool. We'll catch you on the flip side. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Sovereign Man Podcast. If you're ready to take charge of your life and become the man you've always wanted to be, we invite you to join the movement at SovereignMan.ca.